The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. But it's good to be able to preach God's Word and to share with people what God can do for their lives. And He knows best. Can we say that together? He knows best. It's like the old, how many of you ever uh, watched that movie, Father Knows Best? Boy, we're dating ourselves now, aren't we? But the fact of the matter is, God cares for us because He is, if you're saved, He's your Heavenly Father. And He will always want to do that which is right. My dad always wanted the best for us. Now, there were things He could not provide for us, and we probably didn't need them either. But He tried to do His best. I mean, when you come up with, in a family, well, there were 12 of us in the family, and uh, Major time was just nine, and there's still nine of us living, believe it or not. My brother was talking to me one day, and he says, Do you realize there's nine of us still around to torment the world? So we have a lot to be thankful for, the life that God gives to us, because he always is looking after us. He's always uh, has our best interests in view in everything he says in his word. And I'm glad he gave, gives us something that we can go by. I mean, this, this book is, is a great book. Can I hear an amen? amen. I mean, you, you read it. It's like reading the update, uh, you know, the latest newspaper, uh, especially in this day and time. Amen? Uh, but I'm grateful that God sometimes has to say no to us. I want you to look here at James chapter 1. There's a few thoughts I want to give you out of it, and I want to give you something from the book of 2 Corinthians here, just in a few minutes, chapter number 12. Keep this in mind. There are times when God has to say no to us as his children. Now think about this. Is God all-powerful? Is God all-knowing? Now we use the theological terms, omnipotent, omniscient. Uh, we'll keep those words out of our uh, vocabulary tonight. We'll just say he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing. See, I'm a I'm down-to-earth down old, old, old Kentucky boy, so I'm going to just talk right down uh, very simple with you. But God has given us some things that will benefit our lives even when he says no because he looks down through the corridors of time in our life and the extent of our life, and he knows what's going to be the best for us. He knows when we'll have the heartaches. He knows when we have the problems that come about in our lives. None of us, and I told you about the family this morning that lost the, the young boy. I mean, uh, we, we had a wonderful relationship. And uh, I tell you what, it was a heart-wrenching thing when uh, we heard that what happened and the tragedy and so forth. But I began to think, God never makes a mistake. God never makes a mistake. And I mean... This, today, he's been rejoicing up in heaven with the Lord. And you and I don't, may not understand the whole thing, but we'll understand it better by and by. Because God will open up our eyes. He'll let us see things in reality, really why it took place. So, that does not mean that God... Uh, it's like Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God 
to them who are called according to his purpose. That doesn't mean everything good, uh, that comes in our life, uh, God wants it to uh, be really in there. We bring uh, that upon ourselves sometimes because of the choices we make, because we live in a sinful world. But even in that, God takes it. Are you listening? God takes it and molds it and works it into our life for our good. And the end result is, His name is glorified. See? Matter of fact, Paul said that is the ultimate of everything in our lives, is that God is to receive the glory for it all. And if we keep that in the proper perspective in our living, in our lives, it'll make us have a happier, joyful... Uh, matter of fact, I like to say joyful because happiness is built upon happenings. Joy is built upon the Lord. Joy comes from the Lord. The world really doesn't know the principle of joy. Or they know a few things about laughter and uh, feeling good and so forth like that. But they don't know the joy of the Lord. But we find that James and Paul both had something in common. That was they understood when God said no. Look here at James chapter 1. James, the servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all. Say the next word with me. Joy. Now think about this. When God says no, God takes and something we may think that we need, He changes it that may be to our detriment of our life and brings joy out of the whole thing. See, keep that thought in mind. Now, look back at your Bible, if you would, please. He says, when you fall into divers or various types of temptations or testings, uh, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect or mature, entire, wanting nothing. Uh, would you look at that word, nothing? And everyone together, tell me what the first two letters say. You will find that repeated throughout the Bible. And if you look into the detail of it, you'll see that God has something better when he says no. Now, look back at your Bible again. If any of you lack wisdom, all right, he says no to these things and tells you to be patient. He says, I'm going to give you something better. If any man lack wisdom, now look up if you would, before I really get into the message, there's some things I need to explain to you. What is wisdom? Here it is, a simple definition. Wisdom is knowing what's right to do and doing it. You got it? Wisdom is knowing, having that knowledge. In other words, it's spiritual perception Looking, from, looking at things from God's perspective rather than our perspective because he sees into the future, and you and I cannot see that. He knows down the road what's happening, see. So if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That's when he's going to say yes. Let him ask of God that giveth all men what? Say the next word with me there. Liberally, okay? 
and abradeth not, and shall be given him. But there's a there's a, a, a something very important in the next verse that you and I need to get a hold of. But let him ask in what? Faith. All right, now look up here if you would, please. This morning we said the word faith is the same principle as the word trust. Trust is taking God at his word, see. That's what faith is. When God tells us to do something, then we're to respond in obedience. And when we respond in obedience, God gives the benefits to our lives at that particular point. So he says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So when we begin to think about what we want over what God wants, we become double-minded, and in result, we become unstable in our walk with the Lord. Now, take your Bible and turn over to the book of 2 Corinthians, if you would, real quickly, chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, and I want you to look at verses 7 through 10. There are many reasons why God says no. Let me ask you a question. Now, this is a free form, all right? When you said no to your children, why did you say no to a particular thing? Come on, give me an example. Come on, real quick. You can talk. Hey, this is, this is your freedom now, you know? I'm sorry? Wasn't in their best interest. Give me something else. Okay? Something else. Didn't have it. Didn't need it if you didn't have it. Something else. Why did you say no to your children? Very good. One day, when we lived in New Jersey, we were... We lived in New Jersey, and we were there in uh, the church parsonage. And uh, I was associate pastor then. Our pastor had bought his own home, so he had moved out, and they hired me, and I was associate pastor. Anyway, we were there in the home, and I don't know, remember what my wife was doing. But our son, I can't remember exactly what his age was at that particular uh, juncture. And uh, uh, we were in the kitchen, and he wanted a butcher knife. Hello? I mean, here's a little, a little guy like, I can't remember him being really little. Anyway, he was small. And I, I, I told him, I said, you can't have a knife. Why? Because he'd probably get cut. Could hurt him. There are things sometimes our children ask us for that will be more harmful than helpful. Isn't that true with God in our lives? God says no for a reason. But so many times, and I'm afraid I'm guilty of this, that I argue with God. Anybody else like that? If you, come on, be honest. Raise your hand tonight. Do you argue with God a little bit? Yeah. Lord, why can't I do that? You know, uh, uh, why can't I go here? Why can't I do this? Or why can't you give me this or that? You see, God knows best. One day, there in 2 Corinthians, 
chapter 12. Would you look at it? In verse 7. A great man by the name of the Apostle Paul, he said this, Unless I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Now you say, good night alive. Why would God do that to a great man by the name of the Apostle Paul who has been blessed with so many opportunities of writing the scriptures and went on many missionary journeys and had a lot of people saved and God used him in a great mighty way. Why would God take and permit such a thing happen to him and God would not heal him of his problem, whatever it was? Why would God do that? Here's the reason. The Bible always gives the answer. Look at the rest of the verse. It says this. Lest I should be exalted above measure. We said a while ago that in all things, God is to be glorified. Can I hear an amen? All right. That being true, the Apostle Paul, if he was exalted and began to have so much pride and so forth, what would happen if he had a lot of pride? Pride cometh before what? A fall. And a haughty spirit before destruction. You see, God knew what would happen to Paul if he just got all puffed up. Look at the next verse, verse 8. He goes on to say, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. But God says, I'm going to give you something you can never purchase with money. You can never purchase with personality. You can never purchase with the uh, obtaining from other people. He says, I'm going to give you something that's not for sale. What did he give him? Verse number 9, read it with me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. Now that's the first thing. He says, I'm going to give you something you don't deserve. I'm going to give you something that's worth all the money in the world, and that is grace. You see, God expresses grace in every one of our lives in different situations. By the way, God's not going to give you grace to die until you get to that point. Don't worry about it. Amen? I mean, when you're ready, God's going to say, here you go. Here's a full dose. I'm going to give you that grace. I never could, as a young, young man, after coming to the Lord, why I would hear people say, Lord, just take me home. I'd rather be with you. I didn't understand that. Uh, don't you want to live longer? How many of you have heard of Dr. Charles F. Weigel? Anybody heard of him? No one ever cared for me like Jesus. You ever heard that song? Dr. Weigel lived the last years of his life at Tennessee Temple University in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I had many opportunities to say hi to him and not a real long conversation. He didn't talk a lot. All he did was go around in his wheelchair, taking his uh, a cane like that and telling the students to get out of his way. But there they built a building called the Weigel Music Center. But Dr. Weigel, at 96 years of age, said, Lord, I'm ready to go home. I want to go home. He was there in the hospital. 
And uh, Dr. Lee Robertson uh, walked in, and the nurse said, uh, he keeps saying he wants to go home. Well, he can't go home. He's, he's too ill. And Dr. Robertson looked at the nurse and said, he's not talking about his earthly home. He's talking about heaven. You see, God will give you the grace. And the Apostle Paul was going to get God's grace that was far greater than any request he could ever ask. He was going to live better with God's grace than that fact he had the thorn in the flesh. But wait a minute. He says, that's not all. He says, I'm going to really spread on the uh, peanut butter and the jelly. How many of you like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Yeah. He says, I'm going to put the jelly on there good and thick. Look at it. My grace is sufficient for thee. He says, now for my strength. I want to ask you a question. When God says he's a strong one, that's mild, isn't it? I mean, God is God Almighty. God can do anything. He flung the stars into space. I mean, he dipped out of the seas and, and flung all the grass upon the ground. God did that. God can do anything but what? Fail. His strength. Now, Paul said here, uh, God's, uh, uh, God says here, Paul recorded later, he says, my strength I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a strength. Man, can you comprehend in your mind what that really means? God giving you strength? God can give you strength to do anything you need to do. Doesn't the Bible say that? Paul said it in Philippians chapter 4, didn't he? Let's say it together. I can do all things through Christ Jesus which strengthens me. Talking about a gift, folks. That's a gift. God giving you the strength to be able to do what you could not do ordinarily. And that's what he said to the Apostle Paul. He says, look, I'm going to give you, number one, my grace. Secondly, I'm going to give you my strength, and it's made perfect in your weakness. This thorn in the flesh, whatever it was, some think it was a problem with his eyes. I, I'm thankful for glasses, aren't you? Man, I could, listen, I'd be in bad shape tonight. I couldn't even read my Bible without my glasses. I mean, I can pull these off and I can see your faces. I can count the hairs on your head. Not, not really. But I could not read my Bible without the glasses. They think Paul had an eye problem. I don't know. I'll not say anything the Bible does not say. By the way, that's a pretty good idea. If the Bible doesn't say it, don't say it. So we don't know. We take exactly what God's Word says. And it says, look, Paul, I'm going to give you my grace. I'm going to say no to this, but I'm going to give you two things better. Isn't God good? I mean, He just only gives you one thing. He gives you two things. God's not cheap, is He? God will give you that which you need. And He will give you more. Because He's a given God. And so God did that for him. And he wants to do it for you and me. Now, look at verse 10. He says, therefore. Whenever you see the word therefore, look back and see in the previous verses why God put it there. All right? He says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches. Now, we look at that word infirmities, so we think there was an infirmity that he had that he was asking God to remove. So, 
whether it was his eyes or whatever, we'll take it from there. And then he goes on to say, in reproaches and necessities and persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, come on, read the next four words with me, everyone together. Then am I strong. And all God's people said, Amen. We have the strength to keep on keeping on for the glory of God. And throughout the Bible, God sometimes says no, and it was for a reason. Let me give you another illustration. Uh, take, for example, Moses. Moses was forbidden to uh, cross the Jordan. Uh, take your Bible very briefly. Uh, turn back to the book of Numbers, if you would. Uh, not too many people like to read Numbers. Numbers are good sometimes, especially in our weight if they go down. All right? But look there at Numbers chapter 27, and look at verse number 12. And the Lord said unto Moses, Get thee up unto this Mount Abram, and see the land which I have given unto the children of Israel. When thou hast seen it, thou also shalt be gathered unto thy people, as Aaron thy brother was gathered. In other words, you, you're going to die. For you rebelled against my commandment in the desert of Zin, and the strife of the congregation to sanctify me at the water before their eyes, that is, the water of Meribah, in Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin. Now, if you would, turn over to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, uh, chapter number 3. Look down at verse 23. All right, if you're there, look at it. And I besought the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand, for what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might. I pray thee, let me go over and see the good land. Of course, he was talking about the land of promise that he had told the people of Israel. That is beyond Jordan, that goodly mountain, and Lebanon. But look at verse number 26. It says, But the Lord was wroth with me for your sakes, and would not, uh, you look at the first two letters, and that word not means no, not hear me. And the Lord said to me, Let us suffice thee, speak no more unto me of this matter. Get thee up in the top of Pisgah, and lift up thine eyes westward, and northward, and southward, and eastward, and behold it with thine eyes, for thou shalt not go over to this Jordan, but charge Joshua, and encourage him, and strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt see, so we abode in, uh, so we abode in the valley over against Beth Poor. Now we look at that and we say, God didn't let him go in, he said no to him. But do you know what God permitted Moses to do? There were several things, if you think about it a little bit tonight. The first thing was the fact that he let him write, write the first five books of the Bible. Pretty good, huh? But did you know he also let him write some of the Psalms? But more than that, do you know he gave him a great reputation among God's people and he's revered today? Huh? I want to tell you something. God gave him three things. And well, withheld one, he said no. You see, God sometimes says no, but God is not cheap, and God will give you more than what you ask for. Huh? Isn't that good? God will do it for us. And so many times we think about that. 
Well, let me give you another illustration. Take David, the great man David. Uh, God had say no to him. He said, when did he say no to David? Well, David purposed in his heart he wanted to build the uh, temple. Did God say no to him? Why? Because he was a bloody man, none of was a man of war. God said no to him. I want to tell you something. He wrote most of the Psalms. He was a man after God's own heart. People knew that. God blessed him abundantly in many, many, many ways. But God had to say no to him. And so God says no to us many times because God has something better. Oh, yes, we have verses in the Bible where the Bible talks about, you know, we can pray. It says, my favorite one is Jeremiah 33, call unto me and I will answer thee. And so the great and mighty things which thou knowest not. But listen, folks, sometimes he doesn't answer the way we think we ought to, he ought to answer us. He answers what's best for you and me. Hello? He knows what's best for us. He knows beyond what our prayers can take us. And he has the best in our minds. So, God says no on many occasions because he knows best. Let's say that again. He knows best. Come on, a little bit louder. He knows best. If we ever keep that in mind, that will all out of solve a lot of problems in life. But I was thinking more on this tonight, not to believe uh, to uh, run this message out too long. But I want you to take your Bible and turn over to the book of Romans, chapter eight, would you? Romans chapter eight. We're familiar with Romans eight twenty-eight. But uh, what do some of the other verses say here in regards to what God has for our lives? Why does God say no? Because, number one, would you listen? We become so tied up and dependent upon this flesh rather than Him. God says no because possibly we're dependent more on the flesh because we desire a certain thing and we should depend upon Him to say no. Look at Romans chapter 8. And look at verses 1 through 12. Paul wrote so much about the flesh that God let him uh, uh, bring us open to you and me. Look at verse number 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Do you notice in that verse? He says there is therefore now no. Aren't you glad that when you're born again, there's no condemnation? Huh? I'm glad about that. I'm on my way to heaven. You're on your way to heaven if you know Christ tonight because there's no condemnation. I, I quote John 5, 24 this morning. It says, He that heareth my word and believeth on him hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. See, you, have, you and I have life through him, but not just physical life because we do, as I said this morning, we live and move and have our being in him, but there's no condemnation. We're not condemned. And I'm glad about that, that you and I have that great promise in the Word. But look back at the verse there, verse 1 of uh, the book of Romans, chapter uh, 8. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who not, walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sent His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned, Sin in the flesh. 
that the righteousness, now here's the key, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Many times you and I might be consumed with something that would be of a fleshly nature that would literally destroy our lives. God sees that. And God doesn't want your life to be destroyed. Why? Here's why. Because you have a testimony to reach somebody else that nobody else could reach. Huh? I mean, God has a plan and purpose for your life and my life that He wants to reach somebody. It may be that uh, friend, that neighbor, or maybe a relative. And we forget that if we walk in the flesh, what's it going to do? It's going to take and blot our lives instead of letting our light shine for Jesus Christ. Let's say that verse together. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your what? Good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. And the works of the flesh do not produce a good example before the lost. So sometimes God's going to say no because of the fact of your and my life could be walking in the flesh rather than the spirit. And Paul has a lot more to say about that if you read down through the rest of the verses there, especially as there at verse 12 it says, Therefore, brethren, we're debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die, but if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. God says no, because the flesh will always bring forth that which will die. Wait, but there's something else. Turn back to the book of James chapter 1. And look down at verse number 4, if you would please. Sometimes God says no because he's trying to teach us a simple principle that I have a hard time with. I don't know if you do, but I do too. I, I really have a problem. It's called waiting or patience. Anybody else have a problem waiting? Man, I listen. Uh, I'm going to jet into tomorrow, so to speak, in some way. I want to see what's going on. I'm going to get this taken care of. I want to do this. But God says, wait a minute. Hold up. Stop. No today. Maybe tomorrow, but no today. See, God wants to teach you and me patience. Look at verse one, chapter 1, verse 4. But, but look at that second word there in the verse 4. Let. Now, folks, look up here. The word let means to allow. God gave each one of us a free will. And we can allow God to work in and through our lives through the no's that He gives to us, or we can walk away from it and walk in our own strength and disappoint God and not bring glory to His name. So God says, wait a minute. Let's just sit down for a minute. Let's wait. Let's be patient. Because I have some lessons I want to teach you. I have some good things I want to impart into your life. You see, it's like, and maybe somebody else is like this uh, preacher. When I was young, I wanted to drive. I mean, I, wouldn't even, I couldn't even sit there in the seat. I was like this, you know, and I wanted to drive that car, you know. I got up my dad's lap, and I wanted, to walk, I wanted to drive that car. But I wasn't mature enough. Folks, God knows when we need to sit back and mature in our Christian life. Hello? We need to grow up. I mean, uh, there's times to just be patient and sit, sit still. Matter of fact, after the Bible, you see, stand still. 
when the people of Israel came out of Egypt. What did he say to him? What did Moses say to him? Stand still. Now wait on the Lord. Because they were right there at the Red Sea. God was going to part those waves at the exact time. Huh? He was going to part, and they were going to go over on dry ground. The Bible calls it dry shod. Okay? God had a timing on the thing. They were to be patient. God had a plan and purpose. God has a plan and purpose for your life and my life if we'll wait. They that wait upon the Lord shall do what? Renew their strength. Sometimes we need to sit back because God knows we're weary. And we need to be patient so He can build within us the strength that we need to go on for another day. So God says here, look, let patience, let, allow it, because you're free will, He'll not push it on you. If you want to run ahead of Him, you may suffer the consequences, but He'll permit it, see? That's what happened to Moses. That's what happens to a lot of us. We run ahead instead of being patient on the Lord. So God says, listen, no, no, that's not what you're going to do. So hard. Uh, back when I was a kid, we lived on the farm. And we had our creek. Uh, some people call it a creek, you know. And uh, we always wanted to go swimming in the summertime. And my mother would say, no, I've got to take my nap first. And then we'll go and we'll go swimming. Well, sometimes we wanted to go. It was like my mom had eyes in the back of her head. And, uh, but... She said, no, and there was a reason for it. Because we were young and she wanted to protect us. I didn't know this for several years. I didn't know how much of a, a sports person my mother was. She was a pole vaulter. Huh? She wanted to take care of us. She had the ability. You know what? God has the ability, are you listening, to take care of us in situations when we want to run ahead of him. He wants to take care of us. So we're to be patient. We that wait upon the Lord will renew our strength. But wait a minute. You're there in James chapter 1. Look at verse 8. It may be to keep us from being double-minded. Look at it. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. In other words, he's not secure. He's up and down. He's, you know, things are happening in his life. You become unstable when you begin to not depend upon the Lord. Because we gave you this morning, and as Pastor Kagan said, Look, we need his direction. We need his help. John 15, 5, without him we can do nothing. See? And if we will pay attention to that, it will keep us out of a lot of problems because, you see, our minds get mixed up. We begin to think we need this or we need that or we need to do this or we need to do that. But what we need is what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter, chapter number 12 there. When he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then we go over to the book of Philippians, and we find out how to renew our mind. You say, preacher, how can we do that? Well, take your Bible and turn to Romans, uh, excuse me, Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8. I'm talking about the fact tonight God may say no to things in your life. And when He says no, when He puts a roadblock up in front of you, don't try to jump over it. Don't try to go around it. Just say, Lord, I'm going to wait right here until you remove it. See? 
So Paul says, here's what you need to do. You need to get the mind of Christ. Look at verse number 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, say the last four words with me here. Let's read it. Think on these things. You see, God wants us to think right. Many times, because we want to do it, we ignore God's no, and our thinking gets mixed up. You see, years ago, I can't think of the guy's name now, he and another guy, uh, wrote the book, The Battle for the Mind. Uh, Tim LaHaye. Got it. He wrote that book because there is a real battle for yours and my mind, and many times we think we know better than what God does. And that's not true, because God knows all things. He knows every minute detail of your life and my life. So he may say no. Uh, he may be possibly shaping and forming you for something great in your life. He did for Paul. He did for many of the men and women of the Old Testament. And New Testament, God uses. You see, we don't understand some things the way God works. And there's many illustrations I go to tonight, but if you go to John chapter 11, uh, why did Jesus say no at the time when his friend Lazarus, because he was a very close friend with uh, Martha and Mary and Lazarus, and went many times there to Bethany to the house and had fellowship with them and just had a great time. And then he said, no, I'm not going there uh, to heal Lazarus. There's something better. I'm going to teach people about the resurrection and the life. And he did. And he comforted Mary and Martha. But he did more than that. Would you turn over there real quickly to John chapter 11 before I close tonight? John chapter 11. I want you to see what God has in mind when he says no. Look down at verse 45. Folks, when God says no, it may be something greater. God is going to do not only on your life, but in the life of others. All right, you there? Look at verse 45 and read it out loud with me. Here's what God said when he said, no, I'm not going to do it. I got something better. Read verse 45. Here we go together. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. Folks, I'll take salvation of some soul over other things that I want any day of the week. You see, a soul is worth more than any materialistic or money-wise that you could ever give. You know why? Because you can't buy, you can't work for salvation. It's a free gift from Jesus because he already paid the price. God wants to do that. Can you understand why God says no to things many times in our life? God has something better. Let's say that together. God has something better. And he wants that for your life. So he's going to say no. It could be he might want to bring salvation to someone. It might be that he wants to help someone. He might want to encourage someone. He might want to bless someone. So he says no to our agenda, our schedules, so he can accomplish a greater plan and purpose for our lives and for someone else. 
So tonight, when God says no, God may want to give you something you can never and don't deserve, and that's grace. It could be that God wants to give you tonight some strength you never have before. It may be that God wants to give you spiritual perception, as James chapter 1 verse 5 says, that you would never get otherwise if he says no. So what are you going to do? Here's what we do and should do when God says no. We should say yes. Your will be done, God. Let's say that tonight. Yes. And whatever it is in God's working in your life on, don't say no. Don't turn away from God's no. Say, yes, Lord. I'm yielding to your will. Would you stand with me, please, with heads bowed and eyes closed? Everyone standing with heads bowed and eyes closed. There's so much more we could say about this. It may be that God might be protecting you from something. Uh, something just ran through my mind. And if you just look up here a second, let me make this statement before we have a word of prayer. Years ago, uh, as a pastor, when I pastored in Ross, Ohio, right outside of Cincinnati, I had counseled couples, so forth. And uh, I don't know if it was a young lady or a young man came to me and talked about Marion is such an individual. God said no. You know why? Because the Bible says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Can I hear an amen? Whenever God's word says something, we're to take it because it's a no in regards to a decision we need to make. God has your best interest in view. So I'm asking tonight. Are you going to say yes when God says no? Because he has your best interest in view. Would you bow your heads, please? Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.